in, everybody, to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name's Phil. And I'm Stacy. And today we're going to be uh, reviewing, breaking down, and discussing 2000's American Psycho, uh, starring Christian Bale. This movie is written uh, and directed by Mary Heron, and it's based off of the novel by Brett Easton Ellis, who this movie not only uh, is inspired by that, but pretty much goes beat by beat with the novel itself, which is a pretty neat thing to see i'm a very big stephen king fan myself so whenever i see a movie that takes inspiration from a book and follows it for the most part to the t i I love to say you don't see it all that often usually it's like uh okay we got this one character patrick bateman all right i'm done with the book yeah uh so it's pretty neat to see when a movie actually goes along with it uh, this movie was released, like I said, back in 2000, and it is one of those movies that when it came out, not much was said of it. Not too many people knew of this movie. I mean, the box office it didn't flop completely, but it didn't have the same audience that it has right now. It was a very big cult following with this movie, um, similar to like Halloween preseason of The Witch when it came out wasn't taken super well people weren't talking about it like crazy but as time goes on more and more people uh end up talking about it as a matter of fact on imdb this has a 7.6 out of 10 rating but more impressively it has 608,000 uh reviews on it wow which is a whole lot more than a lot of the halloween movies combined obviously minus a couple of the really really big ones so a lot of people hop on here to review this movie because a lot of people truly love it. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the way that we do this podcast is we start t- by discussing the movie completely spoiler-free, kind of saying what we think about it, general idea of what the movie's about, and uh, then we go into full spoiler territory from there. So it started off... Uh, IMDb says this movie is a wealthy New York City investment banking executive. Patrick Bateman hides his alternative psychopathic ego from his co-workers and friends as he delves deeper into violent and crazy fantasies. Um, And that is, in a nutshell, what this movie is. Um, Overall, let's uh, dive into what we thought of this movie. Uh, The way that we rate these movies is from 1 to 10. 1 being absolute dog shit terrible. Do not watch this movie. Don't waste your time. 5 being this is a completely average movie. Uh, If you see it, you're not going to be excited or pissed that you saw it. And 10 being this movie is absolutely amazing. You need to see it. You need to tell your friends about it. Where did you have this movie at? So I've been pretty excited to see this because I've actually never seen it. Um, So I had a lot of high expectations. And to me, it rose to the occasion. I gave it a seven. I really enjoyed the opening scene. I thought that the way that they kind of introduced the movie was really, um, really well done uh, visually. I really liked that. Um, the music choices through the mu- uh, the movie was right up my alley. I loved a lot of the music that they chose. Plot and the story held my attention through the first act all the way to the last act. I loved it. Okay. I didn't quite give it as high as I thought that I would. I've seen this movie two or three times in the past. I remember seeing it in theaters when it came out and then uh, a couple of years after that. But I probably haven't seen it in over 10 years. 
And uh, I ended up giving this a 6 out of 10. To me, this is amazingly shot. All the camera work is done beautifully. The characters all perform their job like they're supposed to. The comedy, when there's very little comedy in this movie, but when it hits, it hits very, very well. Christian Bale is the fucking man. Uh, yeah. I love seeing him in this movie. Dude's obviously completely ripped for the uh, yes. thing. Fits the part of Patrick Bateman to the T. Like yes. what they're trying His... to make him be. He is Patrick Bateman. Yes. He plays that character so well. I don't know if I could picture anybody else to pick, um to play that character. And William Defoe is in this as a detective, Donald Kimball. And... Something about William Defoe's face, that smile that he can bring, just yes. completely. It, I it's don't care sinister. what character it is. If he's a good character, if he's a bad character, that smile always gets me. Yeah. Whether he's Green Goblin or uh, like Boondock Saints, it, I love everything that this dude's in, and he makes that character something truly special. Yes, uh, it's amazing when a character, their features or their mannerisms bring a certain aesthetic to the movie. Yeah. I like that you kind of know them for that and it helps relay their character. Yeah. And there's a lot of other big names in here. I mean Jared Leto plays as Paul Allen. Yes. Uh Reese Witherspoon plays as uh Evelyn Williams. So there's a lot of names that you probably I noticed heard of. Josh Lucas. Uh he plays the lead in Sweet Home Alabama, which is one of my favorite movies. I think that I did definitely see that with you. I don't remember anything about it, so it wasn't that memorable for me. But uh, it's probably I, one of my favorites. I kind of recognize his face. He looks somewhat familiar. Yes. Um, yes, there's a lot of big names in this. I'm not sure how big of names they were when this movie came out. Christian Bale, I don't think, was breaking down the walls of uh, Hollywood at the time. Yeah, he, I'm not he sure. He was known. And I know for a fact Reese Witherspoon was known. I don't know how big William Defoe was at the time. Jared Leto was probably just a thought in somebody's eye at the time. Yeah. Uh, so they got a lot of these really good actors at really good times, I think. And the cast and crew did very well. The reason why this is not higher like it probably would have been before was I remember there being a whole lot more I don't want to say a whole lot more violence because when it was there, it was definitely there. But I remember it being different. Um, maybe it's just I, I held this movie into a much higher standard. And now that I'm looking at it from a different perspective, it fell down a little bit more. It's funny that you say that because when I picked this movie to watch, I thought I was watching a different movie because I've seen. You thought that you were watching Psycho. Yes. And so there were certain mm-hmm. scenes that I've been told about or kind of somewhat Stacy asked me about halfway through when is the shower scene gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) because he kept yeah I was so lost and then about halfway through the movie I realized that's not the same movie so yes Psycho is from 1960 and it's in all black and white and uh, (laughs) not as beautifully shot or written as this is yes (laughs) so i had the two mixed up so in the beginning that kind of threw me for a loop because i was like on edge waiting for this awesome scene and it never came yeah okay uh let's dive into a little bit of trivia that i found on imdb about this movie keep in mind some of this is spoilerific Uh, from the most part of what i read through these they're not like full-blown spoilers to where if you hear this it's going to ruin the movie for you but this is a movie that i 
I recommend you check out. Uh, it's on Absolutely. HBO Max right now, or you can rent it on any of the video on demand places for probably four bucks since it's been out for so long. Uh, but I, I definitely recommend you check it out before you hear much more about this movie. It yeah. is worth your time. The first viewing of it, I think, is going to be better than your rewatch views. Yes. Although, because it has such a big cult following, I, I could be completely wrong on that. People love this movie. Uh, I'm not one of them. I, I think that this is a good movie. Yeah. I have no knocks on it. But jumping into some of the trivia, so during the production of this movie, Christian Bale ended up following the morning routine that his character Patrick Bateman describes during the beginning of the film, which wow. is absolutely insane. That is insane. And in the beginning of the film, from what I remember, he said that he knocks out a thousand sit-ups every morning. That's crazy. A thousand. Holy shit. I mean, it shows. His, it, it definitely his shows his was, body's a freaking rock yeah. throughout the movie. Absolutely. So during the shooting of the film, Christian Bale spoke in an American accent offset at all times. At the wrap-up party, he began to speak in his native English accent, and many of the casting crew thought that he was speaking that way as an accent for another film. They had no idea that he wasn't an American because he did so well with it. Yeah, that, that always throws me off because... I forget that he doesn't have a Native American accent. Yeah. So hearing him speak, and he speaks eloquently. Yeah, he does. Beautifully. He, he speaks very, very good. And from what I've heard, I know that I've listened to a couple of interviews with uh, pe people from England, and they said for them having an American accent is relatively easy, but it's hard to go the other way. It's hard for an American to yeah. have an English accent and make it actually sound like an English accent. But it absolutely throws me off when I hear his native tongue when I'm so used to the other accent that he does. Yep. This next piece of trivia I found pretty funny because I caught on to this uh, when I was re-watching it. And I kind of thought that this is what it reminds me of when uh, Christian Bale was trying to find a way to turn himself into Patrick Bateman the, and find that character inside of him. He got it from watching an uh, interview of Tom Cruise on The Late Show with David Letterman, the one where he was just completely high out of his mind and laughing at everything and everything's a joke. He used that to make the character. Um, Is that when he was like dating uh, Katie Holmes? I don't know who the hell he was dating. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know that I don't I'm just know saying I thought that's... But there's one where he's just laughing and everything and knee slapping and super wide smiled. And he, he said this very intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes okay. is what gave him the idea of it. Um, I could see that. Yeah. And he lives uh, in the same apartment complex. Tom Cruise is actually featured in the novel. He lived in the apartment complex as Bateman, who met him in an elevator and gets the name of Cocktail wrong, calling it Bartender in the book, which is pretty neat. Uh, the single biggest cost of this film, I believe, I, I gotta look it up again, I believe the movie cost him $7 million to make, was purchasing to the, the rights of the songs used throughout the film. I was gonna say, I could see that, because it's well-known, super popular songs. Yep. Uh, one of the biggest problems that they had during production was getting all the designer labels to agree to let them use their, uh, stuff while filming. So, uh... I don't even know what the hell this stuff is. Saruti agreed to allow Christian Bale to wear their clothes, but not when the character was killing anybody. Mm. The Rolex Rolex agreed that anyone uh, in the film could wear their watches except for Bateman. So in the book, 
he had a line, don't touch the Rolex. But in the movie, it had to be changed to don't touch the watch because Bateman was not allowed to wear a Rolex. Gotcha. Perry Ellis provided underwear at the last minute after Calvin Klein pulled out of the project. So you can tell that they were very, very, very much going for brand name with this stuff. They wanted it to have that type of appeal. And uh, it was very difficult for them to pull out. I could see that because through the movie, they do a lot of like uppity things. And I could see where like brands would be specific. Like they were saying, I don't want these people if they're killing people to wear it because you don't want that negative media. Yep. Uh, So two more that I'm going to say uh, during the chainsaw scene through it. uh, Obviously, this took many takes and time between takes and in between takes christian bale would happily uh hang out between takes wearing nothing but a sock over his dick and some tennis shoes <laughs> <laughs> so to be a fly on the wall during that oh just my. seeing christian bale walking around just jacked all hell just wearing a sock red hot chili pepper style and some sneakers oh my. <laughs> um and originally, this film was trying to get Leonardo DiCaprio to play the part of uh, Patrick Bateman, and he agreed to it. But he was asking $21 million to play the lead, which would bring the budget of the film up to $40 million. But when they couldn't make it work or he quit, whatever ended up happening, Christian Bale resumed the role, and the budget went back down to $7 million, uh, bringing in $34 million at the box office. So proved that that was the right uh decision to make and i don't even know if i could uh see dicaprio playing the part of bateman dicaprio is an amazing amazing actor and and probably could do it but it would be a very different patrick bateman that and i think at that time period he didn't have the roles under his belt that maybe would have helped him kind of portray that role sure but he had the name power by this point that's true. I'm sure... Um, it probably would have brought in more money just by having, having his him. name on the yeah. uh, poster. But I think it goes back to they definitely chose the right actor. I can't see anybody else playing that role. Yeah. He played it so well, um, Christian Bale, that no question in my mind that that was the right choice. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that he did a gr- phenomenal job. He, he is Patrick Bateman to me. Uh, originally, this film was given an NC-17 rating, meaning nobody can go to the theater that's not 17 or older, regardless of uh, whether a parent brought you in or not, which is basically the cinematic kiss of death. Um, because a lot of theaters won't even show that movie if it's NC-17, yeah. regardless. They lose a lot of business. Yeah. So they were forced to make a bunch of trims that they didn't want to make. That, According to the book and stuff they find out later the there was supposed to be a whole lot more torture aspects that you see in the film but now it just kind of alludes to it like uh there there are things said by certain characters and it makes you go holy shit this is a lot darker than i thought that it was i could see that it the movie was dark but i could see where it could have been taking darker and actual visual seeing that stuff yeah but and there's a specific scene in the movie that i'm thinking of where uh, holy crap uh now knowing that and kind of piecing things together that was a very very dark scene that was not shown yes let's uh let's dive into the scene by scene breakdown from here so we are going into full-blown story uh spoiler territory if you have not seen this movie like i said before go see it absolutely definitely worth your time 
So the film opens up with a completely white screen. Everything is perfect, perfect white. Um, and then we get blood drips uh, coming down. It says American Psycho. Blood drips turns out to be some type of really fancy meal being made, like the uh, raspberry yeah. drip or something like that over a cake, <laughs> which is pretty neat how they did it. Um, I, didn't I mind. was sad that it wasn't actually blood, honestly, because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is such a cool opening scene. Look at the blood dripping. And then it turned into a food. And I was like, ah, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of liked how they did it. Um, well, because it hinted at for it. the fact that everything about this movie screams fanciness. Yes. Um, it, it, Patrick Bateman needs to be the best of the best and have the best of the best for his lifestyle. Well, and to so, be fair, at this point in the movie, I thought I was watching a different movie. Yeah, this is true. So <laughs> when it turned into a food aspect, I was like, hold up. <laughs> so Patrick Bateman and his fellow co-workers are out to some super fancy dinner and everybody's talking shit to everybody in the room, basically. Um one of his co-workers is making some anti-sentiment jokes about Jewish people and Bateman's telling his co-workers stop making jokes about Jews. Um, they get the bill, which is astronomically large, and one of the guys looks at it and goes, oh, that's it? And they all throw their Amex Platinum cards on the thing. Uh, and they're all like, oh, it's cheap as hell. Okay. <laughs> so they're all being super cocky about how much money they make at this point. Yeah. Um, Every single one of them. It, it's definitely a reoccurring theme throughout this. Yeah. Is ego and pride. Yeah. Like they always have to one up yeah. each other. Yep. So we jump to a nightclub and Patrick Bateman's at the bar ordering some drinks and tries to give her uh, his American Express. She's like, oh, we don't take that here. Only cash. So he pulls out cash and gives it to her. And she's like, you ugly fucking bitch. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to play around with your blood. And then it jumps forward a few seconds where he hands her the cash with a smile. And he never really said it. It's just what he's thinking. Uh, his that he's smile saying. gives me chills. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he Like he was that. so good at that subtle just shh shitty smile it yeah. just gives me nightmares it's almost like the william defoe smile but it only in a more sinister type yeah. of way yeah so from here we jump to patrick bateman's apartment all white everything in there super contemporary uh super super neat and he is in insane freaking shape he's doing his workout and uh it's He's narrating himself saying what his day is like. Oh, I wake up, I uh, do a thousand crunches before I do anything. I can do them all without stopping. And then you get to see his butt. Cool. <laughs> I'm sure that you enjoyed that part. Not really. Uh, and then he goes to the bathroom, takes a shower, and then he goes over to his medicine cabinet, which is all just uh, lotions and skin treatment. And he talks about how many different treatments he used to stay completely perfect. Yeah. To keep his body 100% perfect, wrinkle-free. And uh, he says there is no real Patrick Bateman as he's pulling off that skin mask that he put on. Yeah, which I thought is that a was really, a really neat that was a neat um, scene and uh, script to put in there as he's ripping the mask off that he's yeah. not a he real person. Simply not there. 
Um, and it's a pretty neat scene. I remember uh, the director talking about this scene and they thought that it would take forever to do, but he got the skin peel, the whole thing off in one shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they tried reshooting it a bunch of times and couldn't do it again. So they kept the first shot. Wow. Doing that's it, impressive. It all in one pull yeah, without it ripping or tearing. I've never had that uh, happen. <laughs> so we jumped to a busy city uh with bateman walking into work he works at a huge uh skyscraper in downtown manhattan new york and uh <clears throat> his secretary's giving him all the messages that are left for him and he basically cuts her off and tells her hey stop wearing that so, excuse excuse me yeah you heard me don't don't wear what you're wearing again <laughs> he's like come on you're prettier than that throw some heels on too <laughs> that made me so frustrated. Uh, so despite uh, while he's in the group setting with females where he's sticking up for the females or he's sticking up saying, hey, stop saying Jew jokes. When he's one on one, he has no problem speaking his mind and being full blown sexist or whatever it is. Yeah, he, he has a preference be. of how he wants <clears throat> yeah, women to look. Everybody should be perfect. Like yeah. Him. Yep. Uh, so later that night, Patrick uh, goes cruising downtown in a cab with his fiance, uh, and he's just sitting there trying to listen to an audiobook of something. I forget what. It's something about making money. And she's annoying the hell out of him. You can visibly tell he's being annoyed. He says in his self-commentary, all that she's there for is to annoy him. And she wants him to quit his job. And he's like, no, I... I'm not going to quit my job. She's like, why? That's all that you do. We have more than enough money. He's like, no, I just want to fit in. This yeah. is how I fit in. I thought that was a really key observation that he knows he needs to have this job because something's not right. Yeah, and he's saying, uh, I wonder if my fiance is having an affair. I'm sure that she is. And I wonder if she knows that I'm having an affair with her best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I just said affairs all around. Yeah. Uh, so... They're out at another super fancy dinner and they're talking politics and all the problems that their country has. I, I just tuned out instantly with this because I hate politic talk. Uh, definitely not my thing. But uh, after dinner, Bateman pulls out a shit ton of cash from the ATM, throws in his pocket. <laughs> so it's kind of like a routine of his to just have a shit ton of cash with him just because. Yeah. So he walks home. Uh, and the next day he's at the dry cleaners and he's just yelling at the, uh, Vietnamese people who are running the dry cleaners there about his sheets need to be cleaned because they're super expensive. They're one of a kind. There are many in or whatever the case was, and they need to fix them and they don't understand them. And, uh, it, they're just soaked in blood. Yeah. <laughs> Visibly destroyed. Yeah. Um. It, which was pretty funny. Uh, back at his house, he's just openly watching porn and calls Courtney, the person that he's having an affair with, and tries to get her to come over. Uh, she wants to go out to a restaurant. The only way that he could convince her is uh, by telling her that they're going to Dorsey's, which is some super, super, super expensive restaurant. Super exclusive. Super exclusive. So he hangs up. And still with the porn going, he now calls Dorsey's to try and get reservations. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny that the porn's constantly playing. And he says, hey, I know that's a little bit late, but can I get reservations tonight for 830? And the guy just laughs at him. So he hangs up and he ends up meeting with Courtney, uh, who's super, super high. Like she is out of it. 
and they're at this crazy expensive looking place and she's like oh are we at Dorsey's yeah and he pulls up his menu and they're not there they're at a different restaurant she wouldn't know she's she's so so high that she has no idea he orders both of their meals for them uh (laughs) like he's like she will have this 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 and this trust me it'll be good for your figure he he loves to control every aspect of his life. Yeah, and other people. So yes. He can. Yes. <clears throat> so from here, uh, Bateman's back at work, and people are comparing how they dress. So somebody's looking at a suit, and they're like, "Oh, let me guess, it's this. It's made by this guy." Yeah, yeah good call. And then somebody else walks in. He's talking about what he's wearing, and then somebody pulls out their business card. This is a very funny scene throughout the movie that happens a couple of times, and they're all comparing business cards and who has a better one. And uh, I Was think there was... a reason for it? What's that? For, like, the obsession with the business cards. Yeah, uh, from what I got out of it, the business card obsession is uh, it makes you look better. So if you have the best-looking business card, it it gives you the best uh, visualization to your clients and what they do. Okay, I can see that. Um, and I think that it was Paul um, who showed his business card last, and he has, like, this super fancy one with engraved lettering, and Bateman is just fucking infuriated. Yeah, he like, starts sweating. He's shaking while holding the card. Because it's a perfect business card, and he's super pissed about it, like insanely pissed. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a pretty funny trivia that I saw on the business cards to where every single one of them has the same exact typo. They spelled the business that they're working in wrong on all <laughs> of them. Uh, it's supposed to say mergers and acquisitions, but uh, they spell acquisitions, A-Q-U-I-S, whatever else, and it's supposed to be A-C-Q. That's so hilarious. So every single one of them has... Uh, incorrectly spelled business cards even though they're comparing how they're the best of the best of the best the thing i noticed they all said vice president i kept thinking you can only have one vice president why is there 15 vice presidents no big companies like that will typically have several oh really yeah uh there's typically only one top 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 dude but then you can have several underneath okay uh that so these are obviously big wigs in this company all of them and they act like it <clears throat> oh, for sure. They act like dicks. So the work day's done and Patrick Bateman's walking home. You can tell that he enjoys walking the streets at night. Um, and in this scenario, he's walking through and he finds a homeless guy in the alley. And he asks him why he doesn't get a job. And he's just making fun of him. Like, you know that you smell like complete dog shit, right? Yeah. And he's just making fun of this dude. He's like, hey, man, are you hungry? Do you want some money? He's like, oh, please, man. I'm starving. It's freezing out here. I can use the money to buy a jacket. And he's like, you know, I'd give it to you, but you're just so fucking pathetic. I know. And then he just stabs him three times and it just starts kicking the hell out of him while he's on the ground. Super violently. Uh, oof. And from here, we just flash to Bateman getting a massage like nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> he got a massage, pedicure, manicure, says to himself that he's completely perfect. Even the massage therapist's like, wow, your skin's amazing. Yeah, and he's narrating for himself. He's like, I am perfect in every way, but I don't have any emotions, excluding greed and lust. So he realizes that he has greed, he has lust, and that's his downfall. Um, So from here, his fiance Evelyn, shows him this pot-bellied pig, and he just looks completely disgusted at both her and the pig and the fact that she's actually holding this animal. 
uh, which was pretty funny. I thought the pig was cute. Yeah. <laughs> so Bateman uh, later on meets his coworker Paul for dinner, uh, and they both get hammered drunk. Or he makes the impression that he gets hammered drunk. I don't think he does. I think only Paul does. Did they explain why the guy thought he was someone else when they were in that business meeting? Uh, not fully. They both look similar to each other. And uh, what's his name? His, his friend throughout the movie, Lewis. Is that yes. his name? So Lewis says to him, why does he keep calling you that? And he's like, oh, because we look similar. And he's an asshole and he doesn't know me. Do you think that was on purpose? I don't think so. It very well could be, but I don't think so. Okay, because that confused me. Cause... I think that was part of the anger of why he does what he's about to be doing. Okay, makes sense. Uh, so Bateman meets Paul for dinner and then they end up going back to Patrick's place. Uh, and he set up newspaper all over the ground below where Paul is going to be sitting. Uh, and uh, Patrick starts playing some music for him, and he's just spitting out all these facts about the artist, like yeah. nonstop facts about him. And Paul's just like, yeah, you know, it's okay, whatever. And Patrick Bateman's in the back just smiling, and he's playing with an axe or something like that. And he puts a rain poncho on and he dances into the room. He like moonwalks. It's the funniest little shuffle that he does in there. Yeah. It's like a cardio speed walk thing and he's shaking his body with him. Yeah. He's getting into it. He's like, hey, are you wearing a rain jacket? He's like, yes, I am. And then he grabs the axe (laughs) and just starts beating the fuck out of Paul with it. He swings it directly into his face and then about 10 more times and his face is just covered in blood. And then he just takes a rain poncho off, has a seat on the couch, and starts smoking a cigar, looking at Paul's dead body. So <laughs> the song that that was playing was Hip to be Square. Yep. Super fun song. I can't get over the fact that the only reason I really know that song is Sesame Street. So in this super graphic scene, and it's like, oh, it's so hip to be a square. And I'm picturing freaking Elmo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he kind of acts like it, too. But that's what was funny for uh, me in that scene, because it was like a goofy, over-the-top expression from Bateman. Yep. And I have Elmo pictured in my head because of the song. See, all that I could think of was Tom Cruise in this interview. Like, I didn't even read the trivia before yeah. seeing this movie, but that's instantly what I thought of during this scene. But it really put that scene in such an overload in a good way yeah. that I have this super innocent kind of memory of this song. And they've taken that and they've morphed it into this, like, gruesome, horrible scene. This movie does a very, very good job of taking things that are very violent and almost making it fun. Yeah. Which is a very weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to say that this dude got hit in the face with an axe. Yes. Axe pulled out and hit him another nine times. But you're having a good time watching it. Yeah. It's not like a Friday the 13th movie where it's made to make you go, oh, that was brutal. Yeah, normally. It's made to make you go, man, this guy is cool. Normally in those type (laughs) of scenes, you know me, I've got my fingers kind of interlocked in front of my eyes. And I'm like, oh, I can't watch. And I kind of pretend like I can't watch. I was eyes wide open watching this, not giggling, but like in my head laughing because this song reminds me of Sesame Street <laughs> as this guy's getting murdered. Yeah. So from here, he drags the body. It's in a body bag uh, 
a uh, travel bag for a uh, suit, and he's dragging it out of the apartment <laughs> complex, uh, past the front desk guy that you have to sign in at to get into blood the apartment. Blood spilling out. The blood, uh, you got a little bit of a blood trail, and then he throws it into the back of a taxi where one of his coworkers sees him. And he's like Lewis, and Lewis is like. Where did you get that bag? I know. <laughs> Such a fun scene. <clears throat> um, so from here, we're back at Paul's house. Uh, he goes to Paul's house and he notices that the, uh, in his apartment, it overlooks uh, the park in New York City. And he's pissed about it. It's like, Bastards. Ha- apartment's nicer than mine. It's more expensive than mine is. Yeah. So he's visibly pissed, and he packs a suitcase, so people think, say, he's on a trip, and he leaves a voicemail at his uh, home phone saying that he's on a trip to London. So that way there's some type of uh, alibi for him. So now we're back at work, uh, and Patrick's secretary walks in and says, hey, there's a detective here who wants to see you, and it's William Defoe as uh, Detective Donald Kimball, and he walks in, and they're having a conversation for a minute or two, and then uh, Patrick looks down, and he realizes his poor magazine's still out. <laughs> his, <laughs> his Walkman is still out, so he quickly shoves that into a drawer so that way he doesn't see him. Huh. And uh, William Defoe says, hey, I'm a private investigator. Uh, Paul Allen's missing, and his family wants to know where he is. So um, was it right away, or was it like a couple weeks that it passed? Doesn't say, but it feels like it's a day or two that passed, or something, something along those lines. Gotcha. It feels like it. It was relatively shortly sure. after. Yes. Yep. Um, so the detective was asking him about uh, Paul, and Patrick says that, "Oh yeah, that guy is a closet homosexual who did quote." Uh, coke all the time <laughs> so he's kind of having fun with it and then realizing that uh, the detective's being very serious yeah. about it and uh, Bateman gives a lie about where he was or about where he has to go and hey sorry I gotta cut this short uh, I gotta go to I got a lunch meeting at this place and it's in 20 minutes and then he's like oh yeah yeah no problem and then as he's walking out he instantly calls out his bullshit he's like isn't that uptown? It, isn't that uptown? You're not going to make it in 20 minutes. That's going to take you at least an hour to get there. Nope. There's one close. Yeah. <laughs> so he instantly gets called out in his bullshit. But uh, we don't hear much more of it. So Bateman's back at his house doing his crunches, watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the TV, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, And it follows up with some jumping jacks. So once again, we see Bateman and... Wearing almost nothing. He then cruises the streets in a limo uh, to find a hooker. Uh, gets the girl into the car. And on the way back to his place, uh, he calls the escort line to get a second girl there as well. Uh, he says, has to be a blonde. Second girl has to be a blonde. And then as he's in the limo, he's telling the girl, hey, my name's Paul Allen. You need to remember that. I'm Paul Allen. Tell me what my name is. It's Paul Paul Allen. Yeah. <laughs> and your name is Christy. <laughs> so he didn't even ask her what her name is. He just gave her a name. Yep. This is what your name is, and that's what you're going to call her yourself. And as soon as he gets to the point, she gets to the place, he makes her take a bath and gives her instructions on how to clean herself. I know. Which is like super fucking demoralizing. Yep. And uh, street girls uh, are very used to being used and abused, but this is like a complete different demoralization type of deal that Patrick's doing to her. Yeah. Uh, So then the escort comes in, and he's like, huh, 
you're not a fucking blonde. <laughs> you're a dirty blonde. <laughs> you're a dirty blonde. I, I specifically said blonde. Whatever you'll do. Your name is going to be Sabrina tonight. <laughs> um, uh, he asks, so they're both sitting there and he's chatting with them, but they're not chatting at all. He's like, hey, aren't you guys going to ask? Don't you want to know what I do? No, not really. <laughs> nope, I don't. Well, I work at Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> so his ego is making him tell these girls what he is and what he does. And uh, he plays Phil Collins for him. And then he starts talking facts about the band just like he did for Paul. <laughs> so it's making you think that he's going to kill these two girls. But he continues to talk music and he makes the girls undress one at a time, tells them exactly what to do as he's pulling out a camcorder, just talking about music. <laughs> and uh, he's like, hey, Christy, get down on your knees. That way Sabrina can see your asshole. <laughs> Sabrina, dance for me. And then eventually he's like, Sabrina, don't just stare at it. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, one of the funniest lines in this movie. And he's still, he's watching it, but he's just talking about Phil Collins still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he ends up having a threesome with them. And the entire time that he's having sex, he's looking at himself in the yeah, mirror. Yeah, he's flexing. He's flexing. He's going in different positions. He's winking at himself. He's pointing. He's uh, showing off the guns. Yep, it's a show. Yep. So... <laughs> It flashes to him standing at the door with a wad of cash, and both of the women just look like they went through fucking hell. Yeah, beat and to hell. And they do not want to be there. Uh, he pays them, and they leave. And Bateman and the Joys are smoking and joking about demoralizing women now at the workplace again. And Lewis walks up and shows his brand-new business card. Once again, Bateman goes fucking insane when he sees it. And he goes to strangle him in the bathroom. But then uh, Lewis turns around and tries to kiss him. He's like, I, I knew that you've been after me. I've been after you for the longest time. I've been waiting for this for so long. <laughs> um, and uh, Bateman doesn't know what the fuck to do, so he just leaves. So back at his office, the detective's there again who wants to ask him more questions about Paul's disappearance. Some more time has passed since. And he's like, hey, man, when's the last time that you uh, were with Paul? And he gives... Two different stories in a matter of 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, and uh, William Defoe pulls out the CD of It's Hip to Be Square. And he's like, hey, man, have you ever heard this before? Man, this is a killer track. He's like, so do you think he was on to him? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And he's seeing his reaction because that it was probably when he was investigating the scene. That was the CD that was in the CD player. Yes. And uh, he wanted to see what he said. And he's just like... Yeah, I mean, I listen to music, but I'm not crazy about it. Yeah. I caught on to that, but I wasn't sure if maybe I was, like, overthinking that. Yeah. Okay. So then we flash to him and Courtney having sex, and he goes to leave, and he can tell that she doesn't want to be with Lewis. She wants to leave Lewis and be with him, but he's not having it. This is nothing more than a uh, friends with benefits type of deal for him. Yeah. And she's super bummed out about it. But Bateman and his co-workers go to a nightclub. They're doing drugs in the bathroom. And the guy in the stall next to him is like freaking out. He's like, gosh, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to do drugs in here. <laughs> and ended up it wasn't drugs. It was sweetener. Somebody had put sweetener on their bathroom stall. Well, no, it was drugs. Um, but it ha- it was uh, diluted. Oh, okay. So I it misunderstood. Wasn't, it wasn't pure like they're used to. Okay. Um, 
and this entire nightclub is in the freaking bathroom doing coke. <laughs> I know. It's pretty funny. I mean, they, they were all taking turns in the stall. baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're all taking turns in the stall. And uh, so he ends up leaving there and uh, he finds a girl that he goes to bring home. And then we're back at the office, but he has a lock of her hair in his hands that he's kind of twirling between uh, his fingers. Uh, his assistant walks in and he invites her to dinner anywhere that she wants to go anywhere. And she's like a super sweet girl. Uh, and she's like, oh, I want to go to Dorsey. And he's like, okay, I'll make it happen. He picks up the phone, calls, and the guy's like, yeah, we have absolutely no reservations available. He's like, perfect, we'll be there, thank you. And yeah. instantly I'm like, you didn't say who you are. How are you going to have it? But she actually called him out. She did. And she's like, how did you, didn't you say set a, name. a reservation? You didn't say a name. He's like, oh, they know me. They, they know me. They know my voice. I, I've been there a ton of times. And she's like, I bet she's right. never been. <laughs> never. Yeah. And uh, so he says, tell you what, why don't you meet me at my place before heading out at like seven? We'll go to dinner at nine. And she agrees to it, despite knowing that there's something shady about it. Uh, and the two of them are having useless talk about dating, and he brings up murder stuff as he's holding different weapons, like he's going through his drawers and touching different knives and then opens up a closet, and he's messing with stuff in there that yeah. all different murder stuff. And he brings a nail gun over and points it at the back of her head, but then the phone rings, and Evelyn leaves a uh, voicemail that Gene hears, his secretary. And uh, he... At this point, she knows that she, he's with somebody and asks if she can go. And he's like, yeah, you probably should. I can't control myself. Something bad could happen to you. I and loved that I scene. You. I love that scene because in her eyes, she's just thinking, oh, something bad, meaning like he's going to cheat on um, mm -hmm. Evelyn with her type of thing. But like obviously Bateman's talking about murdering her. Yeah. But the way that they're both so into that scene on two different aspects, it really worked very well. Yep. And she keeps trying to get him to say, no, stay. Yep. So at first you feel like she's a very sweet, innocent girl. And then she realizes that she's with somebody and then she's still like, but do you want me to stay? So she's completely okay with him cheating with her. But he ends up saying, I don't want to hurt you. And then she leaves and... uh and then we flash to, uh, oh, on her way out, she reminds him, hey, don't forget, you got a meeting with that detective for lunch tomorrow. He's like, oh, shit, completely forgot about that. And um, they're at the uh, dinner, and the detective was saying that he had dinner with Marcus the night before, but uh, I don't even know what the hell I wrote here. <laughs> uh, basically, he was saying uh, we got completely conflicting stuff about Paul and his whereabouts and he's smiling the whole time. I fucking love this guy's smile. It's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. It's so condescending and fuck you and all that at the same time. It's amazing how something so simple can work so well without any words. Yeah. He, he says something about uh, some people saw Paul in London but it wasn't a credible source so they kind of shook it off and then that was it. Uh, so now Patrick's cruising around in the limo again, and he goes back to the same hooker, and she says that she had to go to the emergency room after the last time she needed stitches and surgery. 
after the last time. And this is the scene that I was talking about where uh, you can clearly tell that uh, there was a lot more that happened that night. Um, whether it was he inserted something into her or he forced her to insert something into her to tear things up down there. It doesn't tell you exactly what it is or what happened. And I'm guessing that there was a lot more shown during the original cut of this movie that we never got to see. But uh, it definitely makes yeah. you go, oh man, what the hell happened? Yeah, there was definitely a lot of trauma. You could tell when they left the two girls but when you now flash forward to this scene you can just see her question what she went through that last time but she needs the money you can yeah. tell she needs the money and she's yeah. debating is this worth the trauma of what i went through for i don't know let's say a thousand dollars yeah is it worth the money she's really really hesitant and you can feel that yeah, absolutely. He convinces her anyway to come in, and uh, she says, well, after light, last time, I might need a lawyer to figure all this out. And he's like, oh, you don't need a lawyer. And he writes her a big-ass check and gives it to her, and then she gets out like, okay, this is sufficient, but I'm done with you. And he pulls the limbo up to her again and has the limbo driver basically go the same speed as her. He eventually uh, convinces her to come back in and uh, then uh, gives her a shit ton of money to get her to come back in and reinforces to her as soon as she comes in, don't forget your name is Christy. And, and it's, he keeps reassuring her it's not going to be like last time. Yeah, I promise it's it's different. It's not going to be like last time. Yep. And you know for a fact it's not. Yeah, but you know for a fact it's going to be like last time. Right, <laughs> which um, sucks because she was so hesitant. Yeah, but she gave him. So Money uh, talks. He says that you're going to have a friend join in. And Patrick uh, drugs the wine that he's given the girls. He spikes it, and he notices that she's not, uh, Christy's not drinking the wine. So he's like, hey, we better drink up. Um Elizabeth calls her drug dealer, uh, and this time they're at Paul's apartment. I believe so. Yeah, they are. And uh, Christy even says to him, like, oh, this apartment's much nicer than your last one. And he just gets fucking yeah, pissed. Yeah, he like, gets pissed. Well, not really. I think the last one was better than this one. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So Elizabeth calls her drug dealer and leaves a voicemail. Hey, I need these drugs. I'm at... Uh, Paul Allen's house. Where is this house? He's like, don't fucking worry about it. <laughs> I'm at Paul Allen's place. Yeah. Uh, and you can just tell the whole time Christy does not want to be there. She's not having it. The other girl's drunk out of her mind and she's having a good time. <clears throat> so he makes the girls make out and he's playing music now. <laughs> uh, and it's Whitney Houston and Elizabeth's kind of making fun of him for liking Whitney Houston, but he's like, Whitney Houston's the shit, man. Why are you making fun of me for that? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And uh, where are we here? So later we go to the bedroom. The two girls are making out. And uh, it's now the morning after they have sex. And Chrissy decides to leave. And Bateman attacks Elizabeth. And on the way out, Chrissy sees like blood everywhere. And Bateman chases her fucking butt ass naked with a chainsaw. And tennis shoes. Yes. And sneakers, not tennis shoes. Um, oh 
<laughs> and uh, she kicks him right in the nose. And he's more concerned with the look of his face than he is the fact that she could get away. Yeah. It's like, you fucking bitch. You ruined how I look. I look perfect. Yeah. Uh, so Chrissy runs out down the stairs. Bateman chases her naked with a chainsaw. And she escapes down the stairwell. And he's just sitting there watching her, like following her through the steps. And then he just looks down, aims the chainsaw, drops it sticks through her side and she just lays down there dead bleeding what a scene such an awesome fucking scene i I love this scene yeah the visual of him kind of just like pacing it out to see like where she's gonna be when when he needs to drop this chainsaw yeah i the first thought i mean why are you wearing sneakers and nothing else yeah like he was wearing the sneakers when they were having sex yeah that to me was weird because what? <laughs> like I, it did not make sense. And then to then chase somebody with said sneakers with a chainsaw threw me off. But the scene came full circle when he drops the chainsaw. And what timing. Yep. And then from there, we jump straight into him having lunch with uh, Evelyn the next day. And openly at the restaurant, he's drawing on the table. uh Christy dead with the chainsaw inside of her side. Yeah, it's on the tablecloth. Yeah, and Evelyn's trying to talk to her, talk talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. Oh, when are we going to get married? And he mentions to her, uh, we're done. Yeah. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm, we're done. That's it. <laughs> she says, and, my friends are your friends and your friends are my friends. We'll never be done. Yeah, and he's like, I don't care. You can have the friends. I'm, I'm done. She calls him in humane and he's like, sorry, I'm. I'm in touch with humanity, just not your humanity. You're not important to me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he walks away, and you got a pretty cool visual of the Twin Towers here. Um, oh, I didn't know As he's walking away, he's walking through the uh, towers, and uh, he goes back to the ATM, and the ATM flashes at him. Uh, this cat walks over. He grabs the cat, and the ATM says, feed me the cat or something like that. So he pulls a gun out and goes to shoot the cat and some old white ladies there. And he's like, what are you doing? And he just shoots the old woman from here. The cops hear everything. And then he's on the run. He gets in a shootout with the cops, kills one of them, shoots the gas tank of the car, car explodes, kills the other cop. He starts running away and uh, goes to his work. And the front desk person's talking to him like, Hey, Welcome in, uh, Mr. Bateman, burning the midnight oil, I see, huh? Just go ahead and sign in for me. And then he shoots the guy at the front desk. It wasn't his work. It was a different work. I Because the guy his. called him Mr. Smith. Oh, uh, well, maybe. But uh, he, he shoots him that way. He doesn't have a witness of where he's at. And then he yeah. starts running out of the place and goes through the turnstile. And then as he's going through, he notices that the janitor just saw him. So he continues going back in through the turnstile, yeah. shoots the janitor, stays in the turnstile, yep. and then runs back out. <laughs> and then he <laughs> runs to his apartment. And uh, the front desk guy is there, and he signs in and uh, makes it up to his room. And it was his um, his workplace. Okay. He went back to work. Gotcha. And uh, he makes it up to his office, and the uh, cops are there in a helicopter just kind of scoping the place out. And he calls his lawyer and tells the guy, like, everything. lists off everything that he did. And starts out with, hey, I killed Paul Allen. I killed a ton of people, actually, and lists them off one by one. 
And at the end, he's like, I probably killed some place between 20 and 40 people within my life. I, I even ate some of them. I ate their brains. I know. Uh, he was going into detail with it. The next day, uh, Bateman gets ready for the day and uh, enters Paul Allen's place with a uh, face mask on. And you can tell the place is freshly painted. There's a real estate agent in there. Um, asked, she even asked, hey, are you here to see the place? And you can tell that he was going in there to clean up. Um, and he's just like flabbergasted. So he leaves. He gets to a payphone, takes a bunch of medication that we saw on the desk earlier. Um, he took some before killing Paul. And... Uh, calls his assistant just freaking out telling her that he's not coming in for the day his assistant starts going through his desk and sees his journal and as she's going through the pages are getting more and more and more and more messed up uh brutal drawings that he has in there of him killing girls and just nasty sexual torture things yeah um so he ends up uh going to a a uh lunch with his friends and the lawyer comes in he's like hey man hey man we gotta talk did you get my message he's like oh shit that was you that was hilarious and he's like no it's not hilarious it's serious he's like i I killed paul i killed all these people and the lawyer's like okay that's enough stop being funny man he's like it's not a joke i killed all these people he's like dude in the past 10 days i sat with paul and had lunch with him in london twice and Patrick's back down, and uh, the movie kind of ends with him talking to himself, saying that he needs to find a way to inflict his pain onto others. His pain can't be his pain. It needs to be everybody's pain. So I think the lawyer thought he was that other guy. He wasn't Bateman. He was whoever everybody thought he was. Yeah. So I think that's where the confusion got me. So if I'm understanding correctly, none of that actually happened. It was just a figment of his imagination. So it leaves it very open for what happens and what does not happen throughout this movie. So the very beginning of the movie gives you an idea of how this stuff happens in his head. Uh, right. And that's from the point where he's at the uh, nightclub and he orders the drinks from the woman. Right. It's a visualization of him in his head telling the girl, I'm going to fucking kill you i'm gonna play with your blood and then him just smiling and handing the card i don't even think that he realized that he smiled and handed her the cash uh i think that he uh visualized himself saying what he actually said so he definitely has a split personality psychotic disorders and all of that some of the stuff i think did happen but the vast majority of it was probably in his head especially the more drawn out like the cop chase thing Uh, him killing paul stuff like that gotcha but it's tough to tell they leave it very much open for interpretation and for you to sit back and think about what happened in this. i mean i like that but i also like things to be tied up (laughs) you for one love a movie that leaves uh things everything tied up in a nice neat bow where you know everything that happened i enjoy the uh did this happen? Did this not happen? It's yes. up for your imagination. I have a very vivid imagination, so it's cool in my head to kind of play it out the way that I want to play it and out. And it, it's not good because I sit there and I wonder forever, <laughs> was that real? <laughs> what yeah. part of that movie was actually happening? And I thought that based upon the ending alone, you would give this movie like a 
four out of ten. <laughs> Maybe a three. Well, because to be fair, in the beginning, I thought it was a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the notes were based on a movie I thought I was watching. Yeah. But overall, <laughs> very good movie. Yeah. I enjoy it. Uh, it's not the thing that's going to break the mold and be this is the new yeah. uh, way to write a horror movie, but... It was very enjoyable. It's, I, I it's a very enjoy enjoyable it. movie. The acting alone sets it apart from other movies. Yeah, they really casted it well. The story <laughs> at the end is confusing to me, but that's not unusual. Um, I really enjoyed it. Well, I understand that, and from looking ahead, they did make a sequel. So <laughs> it is bad. So I mean, that kind of answers a lot of the questions yeah, that I had. What's the name of the girl from that 70s show? Uh, is it Megan? Not Megan Fox. Uh, Mila Kunis. Yes. That's, she's in there? She's the lead. Oh. So there's no Patrick Bateman in American Psycho 2. It's uh, Mia Ku- Whatever the hell her name Kunis. is. Kunis. She is the uh, lead. Interesting. So it's from a female's perspective now. Gotcha. And uh, dumb. Okay. Dumb, 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 dumb. All right. But- the first was very good. They sh- this is a movie that doesn't, I don't want to say doesn't deserve a sequel, but it does not need one no. at all. There is no reason to continue the story unless if maybe you have something with Patrick Bateman in the future. Yeah. But we already know that he has these problems, so it, it, it's, it would be answering questions that don't need to be answered. Yeah, I think it's a movie that... It's almost like off of a bucket list. Like, it's a great movie, but I don't necessarily think that it needs more movies. A continuation. It's yes. a Forrest Gump style to where if there was a second one, you'd be like, why the hell are you doing this again? I don't even care if you want to try and make one of Forrest uh, Jr. It does not need to be yeah. done. Period. I don't think every movie needs another movie. No. And I'm a huge... Uh, advocate for bring as many sequels as you can to these movies if they want to make they just did halloween ends if they're like hey next halloween there's gonna be halloween 14 i'm in right let's go uh and we've discussed that sometimes when you just have that franchise tag even if it's bad people will watch it and i'm one of those people i enjoy it yeah uh, i enjoy seeing You're my favorite char- punishment i enjoy seeing my favorite characters hit the screen uh it's when i have super high expectations for something that uh it can let down like if uh alien 3 is a perfect example of that the first one is so amazing the second one to me is better than the first one the third one is just what the fuck did you just do to the characters that i love yeah. and that's a completely different thing but when you have a movie that's based off of cheesy principles such as friday the 13th is a cheesy thing it's hey there's a guy with an accent he kills people who have sex in the woods stupid as fuck <laughs> but it's entertaining yeah that's very easy to make a sequel this is not a stupid as fuck concept no to where if you make a sequel for it it has to have the same intellectual uh concepts that this one has i think this movie really worked because other than like you know he's a psychopath there's a lot of people that are kind of trying to fit in yeah and it plays on that you know trying to be better than like the joneses you know that type of 
atmosphere of you have these inner thoughts, but you can't always act them out. And it just really pushes that narrative. I really enjoyed it. Who do you think that this movie is for? Because there are horror movies that are meant for everybody. Like I was talking to my dad earlier today and I mentioned The Quiet Place to him. That's very much a anybody can put that movie in yeah. despite it being a horror movie and thoroughly enjoy it. While things like The Exorcist is a phenomenal movie. Yeah, but if that, you're not a fan a of horror, you may not be into it. Yeah. This feels like one of those movies to that where anybody... even if you're not a fan of horror, you can pop this one in and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it's not super gruesome. And even the stuff that they kind of hint at, it's not... It's dark, but it it doesn't show a lot. It leaves a lot to the imagination, which is great on them that they can... And they do it in a fun way. Right. They can present this super crazy individual, but make it as an enjoyable person to watch. Yeah. I, I, I think it would be an anybody movie. Do you... I go back and forth with it because the how much they leave open and anybody movie typically wraps things up in a nice and pretty bow. They yeah. don't have the did this happen, did this not inception type of ending to it because that doesn't appeal to a lot of people. They'll instantly hate it for that type of ending, uh, regardless of whether they like the whole movie or not. Um, so that kind of has me in the border with it. The ending of this movie can really make it to where people hate this movie. I could see that. I didn't hate that it didn't have a great ending, but... I definitely down for you. I definitely have to be aware of the movie we're watching because I was confused. I kept thinking, wow, they're mispronouncing this guy's name because I kept thinking Norman Bates yep. in Psycho. And I kind of mashed the two together. So I just have to be careful of that because... According to the trivia, they did derive the name uh, Patrick Bateman from Norman Bates in the movie. Right. American Psycho based off of characters off of the movie site. Well, that's what I mean. So it kind of mixed it together, but that's because I'm an idiot and I didn't realize. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, until next time, this is the Horror's Edge podcast. Please go onto our social medias. If you enjoy this type of content, hop on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening to this. Give us a five-star rating. Yep. We're really trying to get this out there for more people to listen, to enjoy. And if you enjoy what you're doing, we'd really appreciate that. Costs you nothing. Takes you 10 seconds. Right. We're on Facebook, Horror's Edge. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Share, share, share. Let yeah, us know and, what you guys and think. Hop in there and send us a direct message. If you have any problems with what we said or you want to continue the discussion, we're more than happy to have a little bit of conversation about it. Uh, this is meant to be something to where me and Stacy are talking to each other about this, but we're directly talking to you and we'd yeah. love to hear from you. So until next time, this is the Horror's Hedge Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>